SAFM leading the conversation. The viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. The value of corporate social investment. It includes projects that are external to the normal business activities of a company and not directly for purposes of increasing company profit. These projects have a strong developmental approach and utilize company resources to benefit and uplift communities and not primarily driven as marketing initiatives. Oftentimes includes filling skills gap and developing and providing opportunities for young entrepreneurs and prospective future tenants. We unpack the true impacts of CSI interventions with the CEO of Chikululu Social Investments, Ms. Tracy Henry. Good evening, Tracy. Okay, Are you well? I am great, thank you. And you? Well, thank you. Interesting Talk to us. I'm chatted to the ladies, and I think it's such a great intro in terms of development in our country. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. We try and be relevant in the conversations we have, and it's great that industry you are confirming that as much but let's talk to us about the true value of corporate social investments and why companies more and more need to be doing that so i think what's really exciting about the space that we work in is that when one actually looks at the history and evolution of social investments in south africa it started decades ago um, long before any regulations came into place, um, there were companies, large companies, that were investing in the societies and in the communities in which they operate. And over time, obviously, there's been a lot more legislation that's come into play that, that really focused business leaders' attention on why it is important to invest. We talk about um, addressing um, inequality in the country, unemployment, mm poverty, and business cannot operate in isolation, and, and business leaders, I think, recognize this more and more, and the importance of using resources effectively to build the ecosystem in which they operate. Let's talk to us, I mean, th- th- there's a, a listener who's contributing to this conversation, Mr. Walter Phoenix Bengo. He says, problems are solved more sustainably when using a business model instead of a charity model. Do you want to unpack that and perhaps tell us what it is that that point really addresses? Uh, yeah, that's a, it's an interesting concept. I think with everything that, that we do, um, and with Chikulula in particular, uh, what we believe is that where investment is strategic, your mm. impact will be measurable. So, you know, when we look at investing in communities, we have to be very deliberate about how we're going to invest, where we're going to invest, engaging with communities, so not a top-down approach. So, as with any business, you would go in, you would do an assessment, you would look at the viability, you would engage with all of your stakeholders, um, and you would monitor the program over time. And if companies adopt a holistic approach when they implement programs and they look at investing in communities, in job creation initiatives, in skills development, job, um, you know, uh, uh, tertiary education, etc. If they adopt an approach of saying we want to do this in a systemic way and we want to be strategic about it, we and and also that it is driven by evidence and data. Um, your impact will be far greater. 
And so I think the you know the use of the term charity mm. um, often makes one think about handouts. And yes. Just, you know, you walk away from a, a community or you walk away from an organization um, without actually leaving something tangible. Our approach is very much along the lines of saying you have to be very deliberate and you have to know why you are investing in a particular cause. And I suppose in that vein, many companies get it wrong by simply signing out a check, giving it to the CSI manager to go and do a handover, cut a ribbon, and as soon as the cameras are away, they have a big fat meal and they are gone. And that's the last of the engagement with that particular community for the purposes of CSI. That at times, if not most of the time, is more detrimental to the recipients. Yeah, I mean, you you spot on it does happen um, where it is just a check writing exercise to ensure that there's compliance with the regulations and um, yeah, the ribbon cutting and the photograph and, and, and walking away from a project. And you know, what happens then is that when there's an investment in initiative, it's very short term. You're not, you know, you're not able to have a long-term impact. And so you actually cannot expect that there's going to be any real significant change. Whereas, as with any business partner, if you look at it from a long-term perspective and you engage with your stakeholders in a, in a very meaningful way and you work together to say, how do we solve these problems, you, you, will, you will definitely have a greater impact. And in my experience, um, a lot of business leaders today subscribe to those principles um, and believe that for South Africa to grow, to, for us to be able to address the, the challenges around unemployment, education, um, primary health care delivery, etc., we have to work beyond our, our corporate office space and invest in, in, in broader society and make a part, actually, of the business strategy um, so that it's not sitting in a corner office as somebody's uh, in somebody's job profile, but actually embedding it within the business strategy itself. To that extent, what I understand you then to mean is the CSI initiative itself must to an extent dovetail with the ordinary operations of the organizations because then, first of all, the skill set is easily transferable or readily available, if not transferable, one. But two, the intervention that that would then be made in the community is something which they can readily control. If control is not the word, then monitor for the purposes of measuring effect and outcomes. But more importantly, in co-opting the community, they can then build the skill set in the community, which at the point of handover, could be run by the organization or the community that is, let's say, the recipient of the CSI such that it is more sustainable than, as we were talking about earlier on, just literally taking a box and making sure you've deposited the resource required? Yeah. I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely no harm when the social investment strategies are aligned and resonates with the overall business strategy. So if you are an um, engineering company <clears throat> and you want to invest in you know, bursaries for engineering students and you want to mentor and coach them and get your staff involved um, from a, a volunteer initiative, that's great. I think that's 
you know, that, that would make sense. But what's really important, um, you know, with a, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, is that one taking into account the broader environment in which we operate in the country. And are we addressing the needs that are really going to, to move us forward? So, you know, often you'll find with mining companies, with the renewable energy companies, their social investment activities are based around their uh, operating communities, which makes perfect sense. Um, but they will also invest in a you know range of activities from education, primary health care, youth development initiatives, because it's building the entire community over there. And ultimately what one wants is a thriving community and where jobs will eventually be created within that community who can eventually partner with the, with the mines or renewable energy companies, etc. It's fascinating you would use mines and mining companies as an example because just last Friday we were commemorating um, the Marikana massacre of 2012. And yeah. one of the big problems, as it pertains certainly with Lonmen, was the fact that Marikana, the broader community of the mining town, has got very much nothing to show for the fact that here is a massive multinational corporation exporting out of the country billions worth of rands for the world's edification and yet the very people who work that area, the very communities who service this mining town in terms of which is part of the mining license, the beneficiation of the community Mm -hmm. around there has got absolutely nothing to show. When you get a situation whereby capital can be so detached at a social level to the people who work it, who produce the riches that it otherwise does, and even co-opts the state in maintaining that dastardly status quo, then surely at that level, at that point, that's when you know business can be quite destructive as opposed to neutral in a community. Mm. I think, you know, a very important issue that um, you touch on now um, is around the responsibility of organizations within their communities. So, as an example, in the, in the mining industry, you've got social and labor plans. You're dealing with the BMR. There's, there are, there's the mining charter. What's really important about all of that is mm. how it is implemented for one and who's actually monitoring the implementation thereof. Yes. And where it really, really is important. And I want to go back to the point, uh, you know, that we were discussing earlier on about, you know, whether companies should, you know, invest in initiatives where they've got the skills. Mm. You have to recognize that development is difficult work, that investing effectively and sustainably is, is, a, is a profession. It's, you have to have the skills to do it. It's not just something that you wake up one morning and, decide to do. And so when companies go in and implement programs, working communities, have to deliver on social and labor plans and the mining charter, they need to ensure that they've got the right skill set within the company or externally who will take them on a journey and they need to be able to show that they're accountable to their shareholders and to the broader community in terms of whether they've delivered or not. Let's talk about accountability now because we have a situation in Kato Ridge where for over two decades...
toxic mercury contaminating the water supplies and the environment at large, 3,000 tons by the British company, and I forget the name, I think it's Thor, I could be, I speak under correction, just up and left, nothing after that, no environmental impact assessments have since been done for 20 years, pretty much they were free to do nothing, which they have done, nothing. Now, in a situation like that, that is probably the greatest example of the moral decay in the relationship between capital and the community as well as the state. Because none of the parties who ought to have exercised what responsibilities was within their province and remit did that. And and one is now left with a situation where community is left even more vulnerable and has to pick up the pieces on their on their you know, on their own. Um, as opposed to all the role players coming together now, are those that still remain, uh, to try and resolve this. And unfortunately, in communities like this, you might well find that the local structures uh, don't have the capacity to effectively address these issues as well. Or where you have activist groups in that that don't have the voice to raise these issues and to deal with it effectively. And so... You know, when we talk about community engagement, when we talk about stakeholders, when we talk about investing, when we talk about, you know, life of mine as an example and what happens at the end of that, Mm. uh, one has to start thinking long term about the implications of what we do today and how it will impact future generations. Final question to you, Tracy. Why is it that massive conglomerates tend to, at least this is from a perception, it might be very different in reality, but in the absence of facts, perception is real. Why do we have a sense, especially in your small communities or in your poorer communities, that massive conglomerates, multinational corporations, pretty much determine the terms under which they conduct businesses, irrespective of what the conditions that were predetermined might suggest. And why is it, for instance, you talk about the Skato Ridge matter that I just raised, but if you look at West Africa and the havoc that was wrought by the oil um, exploration there, and there's one yellow company in particular in the petroleum's industry that is guilty of that, okay, or at least they were caught up, so I, I suppose everybody's guilty of that. Why is it easy for capital to get away with these things? I can't really comment on those other examples. I'm uh, I'm not really too familiar with them, but I'd like to maybe leave you with a a light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) And and share with you an example of, I was in Patu in the Northern Cape recently, in a major part of the country, very, um, you know, the renewable energy um, plants around there, there's quite a lot of mining activity that's Mm. uh, over there as well. And part of the, the reason for, for going there was to um, convene the various uh, companies, renewable companies, mining companies, etc., together to find ways in which we can share more information about what is actually happening on the ground, what investments are taking place. Mm. And for me, what was very, very encouraging was to actually get a better understanding of the huge investments that are taking place within that community, the resources that are being applied um, and in terms of human resources and, and financial resources as well. A lot of stakeholder engagement with communities taking place. And I think, you know, for me, that is a, that's a good example of how one can 
slowly, slowly, in a very systemic way, um, address long-term issues in a, in a community. Um, and because you've got so many stakeholders involved in this area, uh, in the renewables, you've got implementation agreements, as an example. You've got uh, EU community trusts that have to adhere with compliance, you know, various the trustees and uh, the EU commission. You've got the social and labor plans, and you've got all these different role players that are actually working together to try and really build a, a thriving community in that area. Talking about thriving communities, do you, in the work of Chikululu Social Investment, have clients who, when you engage with them and when you walk the road with them, so to speak, get the sense that not long from then, profits will necessarily make concessions for the greater community? I mean, we do know that the King Four does make it mandatory to the extent that it is part and parcel of being a listed company that corporations listed on the JSC ought to have a corporate citizenship. Do you get the sense that business is moving to understand why CSI really is fundamental to the sustainability of their brand? Mm. So I've been in the industry for 21 years, um, uh, working particularly um, on corporate social investment Mm. and and, um, with corporates. And, you know, we, we work with clients that really resonate with our values and who really want to ensure a sustainable impact in their communities. The added benefit is that, you know, they comply and and that's great. And we did research about four years ago. It was was entitled The Value of Values in CSR. And we researched um, 20 JSC-listed companies um, and we looked at the reasons why companies invest um, in social uh, initiatives and communities. And, you know, one might think, well, it was because of uh, legislation and BE and all of that. The top reason, the first one, was because it aligns with their vision and values as a company um, and because it's the right thing to do. And I know we use that term often, but came up time and time again amongst business leaders. They really believe it's the right thing to do. Other issues that re- came up as well, which, which was really interesting, is that the younger generation of employees are almost demanding companies to be more accountable. And so it's important for your young employees to know that they're working for a company that is seen to be ethical, that is doing the right thing, that cares about the environment, um, that is giving back, and all of that can through in that research as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, and all the best as you engage businesses that are obviously going to be taking CSI to their heart, and more importantly, improving the communities. Ms. Tracy Henry, Chikululu Social Investments.